0: As John said, we'll be reading from Psalm 84, and that is on page uh, 493 in your pew Bibles. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly, O oh, Lord of hosts. Blessed is the one who trusts in You. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. When was the last time you remember feeling homesick? The last time uh, I remember feeling a little homesick wasn't too long ago. It was it was actually a week ago. Many of you know that Kate and I spent about a week in Maine together uh, without the kids. It's a really sweet time, refreshing time together. There were were a lot of things that we felt last week. Joy, uh, carefreeness, gratefulness, refreshment, uh, fullness from from all the lobster that we ate that week. Uh, But there was one thing that we we weren't expecting to feel, and, and I'm not sure why, but we weren't expecting to feel homesick. We did, though. And as our trip began to sort of wind down, we started feeling more and more homesick, wanted to be with the kids, wanted to be home together as a family again, wanted to wake up in our own beds and get back to, to old rhythms. That's, that's a kind of homesickness that we're all probably really familiar with, but there's another kind of homesickness that we're meant to feel deep in our souls too, Christian This side of heaven, you and I are meant to feel homesick for our heavenly home. One thing we know for sure, this place is not home. That's why we're called things like like sojourners and and strangers and exiles in the Bible. We're meant to feel a little homesick this side of heaven. This place, it can be great, right? But it is not home. And you feel this deep in your bones, don't you? You know, when you turn on the news and you see a world uh, spiraling out of control, as you see your faith and your beliefs becoming more and more fringe in our culture, you ache a little. And you think this place is not home. When you're weary after fighting that same nagging sin over and over again, you ache a little, don't you? And you think to yourself, I am not Home yet. When you feel that the sting of loss, loss of friendship, loss loss of loved ones, you ache a little bit, sometimes a lot, and pray, I just want to be home. Psalm 84 is a hymn for homesick saints to sing on their way to their forever home with Jesus. Psalm 84, we're going to see this morning, is a hymn for homesick saints to sing on their way to their forever home with Jesus. This psalm gives homesick saints like us three things to do as we get closer and closer and closer to home. Long for your forever home. Look for the blessings of going home, and then long for Jesus as you make your way home. Long for home, look for the blessings, long for Jesus. That's going to be our roadmap this morning. First, homesick saints, keep longing for your forever home. Any Wizard of Oz fans here this morning? Um... In the Wizard of Oz, you know this, uh, there's this, this iconic moment at the end, right, where, where Dorothy, uh, channeling uh, the power of her red ruby slippers, uh, stands there and she clicks her heels together three times, right, and she says what? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. I lost my spot. There's no place like home. That's uh, the first four verses. That's That's what the first four verses really are in a nutshell. Our psalmist is saying, homesick saints, keep longing for your forever home because there is no place like home. Verse one, look at verse one with me. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. That word dwelling place has historical significance, but it's also meant to cast our vision forward to our forever home where God dwells and where we're going to eventually dwell with Him too. Now, we know that on this side of the cross, God's dwelling place isn't confined to a a physical space. Historically speaking, though, the dwelling place would have been uh, the tabernacle and then eventually the temple in Jerusalem. This is the place where God made his presence known on earth. Thousands of years after this psalm was written, Jesus would come on the scene, and he would dwell with his people. He would tabernacle with his people. And what's interesting is that while on earth, Jesus says something to his disciples that, that probably seemed a little strange in the moment. He says in Matthew 12 verse 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Greater than the temple? What could be greater than this place? We know that that something greater was actually standing right in front of them. It was Jesus. Jesus would go on to eventually die a brutal death, a death that he did not deserve, So that we might enjoy a life that we do not deserve. Life forever with him. But that something greater, that someone greater, did not stay dead. No, our savior and king was then raised from the dead. And now reigns and rules in victory. Where Jesus is now, that is home. To be home then is to be with Jesus in his place in his presence, with his people. And so the psalmist sings longingly, almost joyfully, how lovely is your dwelling place. That word lovely there in verse 1, it's not speaking so much to the the, the loveliness of the, the beauty of God's dwelling place. Even though it is lovely, it is a beautiful place. Later in verse 3, he, he, he'll actually paint this picture of how this place is one where uh, the weakest and most vulnerable find safety and care. That is a really lovely place. But the meaning behind the word speaks more about the psalmist's love for this dwelling place. So he says something like, how much I love your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Like when I think of all the places I could be, there is not one place I would rather be more than your dwelling place. This homesick saint knows something that you know deep in your soul. There's no place like home. But he also knows that part of the the remedy to his homesickness is longing for his forever home. How How I love, he says, your dwelling place. We're going to see that this strong emotion, this deep affection is weaved all throughout Psalm 84. It's why he will later say in verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. These feelings of longing only seem to go deeper. They intensify in verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. His whole person, every bit of his soul, every bit of his flesh just aches for home. There is no place he'd rather be. Why? Because he says, this is where the living God is. This is where the living God dwells. What I want more than anything in this life, he's saying, is to be in the presence of the living God. Most of you know uh, by now that Kate and I are, are really new to the game of, of home ownership. Actually, we're not even in the game yet. Uh, we're, we're closing uh, toward the end of August, uh, Lord willing, on our home. Uh, then, I guess, uh, we'll officially be in the game. Uh, But a a phrase that we've heard thrown around a good bit, I'm sure you've heard this phrase too, um, is this idea of finding a forever home. You work hard enough, you wait long enough, eventually you're going to land your forever home. This is the dream, right? Or so we're told, finding the place that we can finally call our forever home. Just last summer, uh, neighbors of ours moved away Um, And and as I was talking with the husband, excited about this move, asking him about this move, he said, "Uh, we're moving, we're building our forever home uh, on this little plot of land in Lancaster. And in my heart, I was like, ah, that's wonderful. They made it, good for them. Maybe that'll be us, our family, one day. I'm not saying uh, there's anything wrong uh, with living in beautiful homes or working hard to give your family good things. Nothing wrong with creating beautiful spaces. Nothing wrong with finding a place that meets your needs, a space that you can call home. But I wonder is there something to this idea of searching for our forever home, a place of permanence in earthly places and things that might run against the grain of Psalm 84? I don't know about you, but I can be so seduced into believing that this life is as good as it's going to get. Do you ever feel that pull? Our money makes us feel really safe, uh, really secure, powerful. It has a way of seducing us into thinking this life is as good as it's going to get. The things that, that our money can buy us, they seduce us into thinking that this life is as good as it's going to get. Maybe that promotion at work, it can seduce us into believing this life is as good as it's going to get. And I wonder, what are some of the ways you feel seduced, maybe even this morning, into believing that this life is as good as it's going to get? Maybe take it a step further. And ask yourself, what are some ways that I'm trying to sort of remedy this homesickness that I'm meant to feel with the temporary stuff of this life? There's so many ways that we try to treat our homesickness, aren't there? We look to money, we look to sex, we look to alcohol, we look to our careers, we look to all sorts of things, but have you ever noticed that none of these things ever seem to satisfy us in the end, do they? And it's because you and I were never meant to make forever homes out of earthly places and earthly things. Sort of reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is There your heart will be also. Brothers and sisters, don't be seduced into believing this is as good as it's going to get. Don't go living like this place is your forever home. It's not. It's just a quick stop on the journey to your forever, forever home. And there really is no place that compares to that home, right? So when you feel the pool, and you're going to feel this pool, some of us are even feeling it this morning, to make this place our forever homes, find ways to stir up that longing in your soul for your forever, forever home. How do we do this? Maybe there's, there's some ideas stirring in your mind in your heart right now Uh, Just two quick things that the Lord uh, brought to my mind this past week. One way that we can stir up this longing in our souls for our heavenly home is by memorizing brief passages that, that sort of just give us a taste of our future home, this future home that we have with Jesus. One of those passages of the years for me has been Revelation 21, 3 and 4. It's up on the screen if that doesn't stir up the longing in your soul for your forever home, I don't know what will. It is so good to meditate on these things, church. Read these words over and over again until they they take up residence in your heart. Treasure these things. They're going to steady you and help you long to be home with Jesus. Another way that we can stir up longing in our soul is by singing gospel-rich songs that aim to cast our vision to that forever home with Jesus. We're actually going to close this morning by singing one of those songs together. I love these words. On that day, we will see you shining brighter than the sun. On that day, we will know you as we lift our voice as one till that day. Day, We will praise you for your never-ending grace, and we will keep on singing on that glorious day. Hallelujah, what a day it will be, for at home with you my joy is complete. As I run into your arms open wide, I will see my Father who is waiting for me. Doesn't that just stir up longing in your soul even just a little bit? There is no place like home because home is where Jesus is. I want to be home with Jesus. How about you? I know so many of you, uh, we long for home. I've found over the years that just meditating on God's promises, singing simple songs that just cast my spiritual eyes to these places, to this place, makes me long for it even more. So if you're feeling a little homesick this morning, Christian, it's a good place to be. But let me encourage you to look for ways to walk the well-worn path of Psalm 84 and just stir up longing in your soul for your heavenly home. It is good medicine for our homesick hearts. Why spend all this time stirring up longings in your heart for your forever home? In part, it's because of the promise that we're given in verse four. He says, blessed or happy are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. That aching homesickness that you feel in your heart will one day be replaced with pure, unhindered joy, unhindered happiness, Christian. That blissful day is coming. Hang on to that promise. So first this morning, God's kids long to be in their forever home with Jesus. Second, we're gonna keep these next two points a good bit shorter. God's kids savor the blessing of going home to be with Jesus too. One author says that there is a blessedness in being home. That's what we just saw in verses one through four. There is also a blessedness in going home. Every one of us, is on our way home to Jesus if our hope and trust is in Jesus. Our soul should ache for home. There's a sweetness that we're going to enjoy one day in being home with Jesus in His holy presence. But if we're not careful, we can become so so far-sighted that we miss out on a good thing that God has for us right now. There is a sweetness to being home. One day we're going to be home with Jesus, but there is also a sweetness in going home that we're meant to enjoy right now. So last Saturday, Kate and I woke up super early, packed up all of our stuff, made the 12-hour or so trek from Maine to home. For that entire drive, our hearts We're set on home. So we talked about how nice it would be to finally get home, how nice it would be to see the kids again, be together again, all the things. We couldn't stop thinking about the journey home. There's a sweetness to being home, but there's also a sweetness to going home, isn't there? This is what the psalmist wants to impress on us in verses 5 through 7. So he sings, blessed are those whose hearts are the highways to Zion. He's just saying here, if, if our love and affection for home, if our love and affection is for home, our hearts and minds are going to be filled up with thoughts about getting there. Every step of faith that we take along this journey home is going to be about getting one step closer home. That's the point that he's making. So our journey home isn't always going to be easy. Life can be hard. The psalmist knows this, and we know this too. Sometimes sorrow and grief become unwelcomed guests. They linger in our lives longer than we want. Maybe, maybe you're feeling weary and weak, just barely hanging on to Jesus with your fingertips. You're just not sure how much longer you can keep it up. There's all sorts of ways that we can find ourselves in hard places. Whether you're there now or not, eventually we're all going to find ourselves limping through what the psalmist calls next the Valley of Baca in verse 6. If this is a a real place in the Old Testament, uh, we're not really sure where it is. Interestingly, this, this strange word, Baca, might be linked to a Hebrew word that means uh, weeping or sadness. What we do know is this valley is a dry, desolate, lifeless place. But we know this because of what he says next. Look at verse 6. He says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. It's this beautiful picture. We've got the one whose heart is set on home, walking through a very dry, a very desolate place. But something almost unimaginable is happening here. This dry and desolate place all of the sudden becomes a place of springs. Fresh water bursting out from the dry, scorched earth. It's this picture of life, swelling up in a lifeless place. Notice that he doesn't say that these homeward travelers are uh, going through this valley, just trying to find some fresh water along the way. No, he says that they make this dry, desolate place a place of springs. I think this is more than just making the best out of a hard situation. Keeping your heart set and your eyes fixed on your heavenly home where your savior and king dwells will produce in you a sort of gospel optimism, gospel optimism. Our optimistic friends, they tend to be a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more confident about the future, right? Maybe you are the optimistic friend, Whether you think of yourself as an optimist or not is beside the point. If we know and love Jesus, we should be gospel optimists. We should be people who are so hopeful, so confident in the future because Jesus has secured that future for us. God may uh, lead you through a really dry and lifeless place for a season Some of you are there right now. But listen, our hard places don't have to be hopeless places. With Jesus, hard places can be hopeful places. Hard places can be hopeful places. So with hopes tethered to Jesus and hearts set on making it to our forever home, we're gonna be like the one that the psalmist says in verse seven, traveling through this life from strength to strength until one day, finally, each one of us appears before God. I can't wait for that day. Can you? No more death. No more tears. No more sickness. No more mourning. No more pain. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. This brings us to our last point this morning. Long for home. Look for the blessings of going home. Third this morning, don't forget who you're going home to. Long for Jesus. You could sort of hear the the longing, a kind of desperation in his voice swelling up in verses 8 and 9. He says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. The one he calls our shield is the same one that he calls your anointed one. They're one and the same. That word anointed means Messiah. In the Old Testament, this was Israel's anointed king, the one chosen by God to be, to be the physical and spiritual defender of his people. So he's pleading here, God, look on the face of or look favorably on your anointed king. Why? What does God's favor on the king have to do with, with this guy's longing for God's dwelling place? What does it have to do with our longing? Look at what he says next in verse 10. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That word for at the beginning of verse 10 is super important. It's telling us that there is a connection here. Have favor on your king, O oh God. Why? Because then and only then will we be able to dwell with you in your place, in your presence, as your people. No favored king, no hope of home. Well, many kings would come and go. But there would only be one who the Father would look favorably on forever. And his name is Jesus. This king gave up everything so that you and I could gain everything. This king didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. This king was oppressed was afflicted and led to the slaughter like a lamb for us. This king bore our sins in his body on a tree for us. This king was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. But this king didn't stay dead in some dingy tomb on the side of a hill for long. No, this king got up out of the grave and he rose in victory over sin and death. God's favor rests on this faithful king. Blessed are those, he says, the psalmist says, who trust in him. So weary but trusting saints, hang on. We are almost home, home forever with jesus what a day that'll be amen lou is
2: going to come and pray for us our heavenly father lord god almighty we have had the privilege of hearing your authoritative and life-giving word and now we ask O oh lord that your Holy Spirit would apply your word to our hearts, to our minds, to our wills, so that we might glorify your Son, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we joyfully acknowledge and praise you that you are with us, that we are dwelling with you now and you with us. We praise you that Jesus Christ is our Emmanuel, God with us. And that because you've given your son, you have not withheld any good thing from us as your adopted sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Father, yet at the same time, we confess to our shame that too often we would rather be elsewhere than seeking you in the morning or the evening or even on a Sunday morning. Lord, forgive us. And we pray that you would renew in us a longing to abide in you and to desire you as our sun and our shield above all else. Lord, you've given us a heart with your laws on it. Create in us a heart that longs and desires you above all else. Lord, we thank you for your innumerable blessings that you have bestowed on us through your Son, our Savior. And we pray that we would cherish this intimate, abiding relationship that we can have with you so that we might grow in our wonder and our appreciation of knowing you so dearly. And Father, we would also ask... That those who are looking for happiness and satisfaction, those who are looking for their forever home here in fading and vain pursuits and pleasures, that they would see and we would be reminded of, of the futility of such an effort. And Lord, that your spirit would move us to seek you to be the greatest joy of all. Father, as we put your word into practice in our lives, may our lives and our words be a testimony to the world that there is something greater and more joyful and desirous than even the best home on earth. And we ask all this and give you thanks in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.